Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into what I think is going to be a fascinating conversation. And I say fascinating because this is at the intersection of uh, technology, but also technology finance, uh, but also bringing in a manufacturing type of uh, component to the mix. And we're going to be talking to Crossgate Technologies around a card for facility which has recently been opened in South Africa. It's a 25 million rand type of investment and they've actually been issuing and helping uh, some of the largest banks in the countries issue some of their cards. I think we have the likes of uh, FNB, Standard Bank, Old Mutual and MasterCard on the list but we're going to be getting into a deeper conversation just trying to understand the business and why it's important that they have opened up this facility in uh, South Africa. And uh, to to help us uh, to understand all of that uh, that is going on, uh, we are joined by uh, David uh, DeKronen, who is uh, Crossgate's uh, CEO, and uh, he's going to be giving us all of that uh, insight. David, greetings to you today. Yeah, good morning. I'm Adiwa. Thanks for having me. No, no, no. Thank you so much for being with us uh, for today. I think maybe a good place for us to start uh, just understanding business itself as Crossgate Technologies. Um, what is it about, uh, you know, maybe even getting some insight into the type of uh, investment into the business, maybe who uh, some of the people behind the business are as well? Sure. Um, I think um, it's probably appropriate to just start with a with a, with a brief view of our uh, kind of 15-year history, um, I founded the business 15, almost 16 years ago. And it, by virtue of the fact that um, international, uh, both local and international card vendors really battled to um, to get product out the door. And we partnered up. Um, I kind of laid down my tools at my previous employer and said, we should do this much better. And I partnered up with a business in the U.S., the largest card manufacturer in, in, in the United States, um, and kind of said to them, look, um, we have these clients, we have this need, we've got banks and retailers all consuming uh, mass amounts of cards. Um, you know, you're talking about 30, 40 million quite easily per year. And if you can make them, I can sell them. So, so that's how the business came around, you know, so... Very entrepreneurial. I've always been, will always be an entrepreneur. Um, I don't really like to call myself a CEO because CEO do, CEOs do uh, do many things. Um, but I've, I've tried to focus on our customers and, and obviously on, on growth and strategic investments and M and A activity. So, having started the business, we very quickly started to dominate in the in the retail card sector. And today, we are we are we probably have ninety percent market share across. Every large retailer, um, you know, click shop, right, pick and pay, disc and Woolies, um, all the loyalty cards, all of their private label account cards, charge cards, etc., and and obviously gift cards as well. And that business has just been unbelievable um, and growing year on year. Um, we've been part of some of the uh, probably every single large card launch uh, that any retailer of note have done over the last fifteen years. And um, and that business is, is is fantastic, and it provided us with a base, um, and and obviously earning to invest behind what we call our secure card business, um, uh, generally referred to as Visa or Mastercard. 
cards um, issued by banks, obviously, and um, EMV from a technology perspective is the is the technology that is used and is, and and um, provided and, and specified by Visa and Mastercard to secure that chip so that it's not cloneable, etc. And we started looking at, you know, since we have an offshore card um, um, supply chain, which we had by that time had obviously um, perfected. How do we bring that supply chain into banks in South Africa? And we pioneered effectively taking a debit card, putting it into a secure pack, and putting that pack into our retailer retailer network, which is across 3,000 different stores. And we've done this for, for two large banks, which then allowed customers to go and get a card without having to go to a branch or have it delivered by courier. And, and generally, that card would obviously not have a name on it, which is to have your six-digit card number as per a normal debit card. Um, and, and that was absolutely fine, and it worked really well. And we've got systems that connect to the core banking systems and, and extremely sophisticated tracking and tracing of, of every single card. And these cards are obviously um, secure by nature, um, so they, they, they have to be distributed and, and, and sold in a, in a controlled manner. And we perfected that, that process. We were then invested uh, in by uh, Crossfind Technology Holdings, which um, is, is, is probably going to be Africa's largest fintech um, investment platform. And, and that happened in 2018. Um, and then uh, fast forward a little bit to, to last year, we, there was a major capital raise um, that was, that was uh, in the public domain, obviously, uh, where African Rainbow Capital and um, Ethos Midmarket and Ethos um, AI Fund invested behind the Crossfund Group, and that then um, led to the management team, in, uh, led by myself, um, to also raise additional management capital to um, acquire additional shares in the company, and and that was concluded um, basically kind of mid this year. I would say we were we complete with the process. The the period following that, we effectively went and um, we have about seven or eight businesses in the in the group all operating individually. We consolidated all of those, rolled up all the all the ownership into a single structure, and that business is now called Akello. So Akello Group um, focuses on on two very distinct business unit areas or go-to-market strategies. The one is business to business, which is really the zone that I look after. We I look after Payments instruments like card, virtual cards to be provisioned to a phone, and 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 other payment technologies, issuing and processing technologies, and very focused in the near term on um, uh, neo banks and 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 providing a a platform um, to allow neo banks or non traditional financial services businesses like retailers and M and Os to very quickly enter the financial services space with a banking product. And that's really the future of, of the business where um, we'll see various technologies being deployed in a single stack to enable alliance banking and newer banks to enter the market. Good example of what we've built in the past is, is Spot Money, uh, which is a newer bank. Um, and and we, we built all of that. That's, uh, if I remember correctly, that's out of what used to be Virgin. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It was Virgin Money. And then. Yes. Virgin money, and then it changed into spot money, and and in that in that regard, aside from the beautiful card that we produce, 
for them. We actually built the entire banking system that sits on top of the uh, on top of the mobile front end infrastructure, um, and and that's a very sophisticated process. Um, uh, and we partner with a number of really large players um, globally um, to effectively deliver a banking system um, end to end. And we we try and do that, you know, within four to six months, which would normally take a bank a couple of years to build. Right. So um, that's kind of the future of we, we you know where we're going. But coming back to the card side. Okay. Uh, but actually, uh, just so that I can, uh, you know, catch up with you mm. on this point. Um, I have three cards here. I have an FNB card. I have a Standard Bank card. And I have a Woolworths card. For those that are listening, I'm actually showing David right now on the screen. And from what you're telling me earlier on, it means that all three of these cards, chances are, you guys are the ones that made uh, what you call this that made this happen so so um i might not have necessarily supplied the cards <laughs> that you have in your hand um um your particular cards because the banks do multi-sourcing but if you look at the back of your willie's card you'll see our name on the back of that card as an example um you can just flip it over and you'll see the name there so yeah we've, we've provided um, uh, those products in in various um, stages um, and, and in both the FNB and Standard Bank case, we uh, distribute those products into, you know, effectively 3,000 retail locations on every corner of the country. You know, if you, you had to lose your FNB card or, or uh, it, it um, stopped working for some reason, you could just pop into a pick and pay or a shop right and go and pick up your card, replace it, link it to your banking app and, and off you go. And that's during obviously convenient shopping hours and you pick up your bread and milk at the same time. So we've really retailized that product so so, so yeah now the, the question i was then going to ask is now that you guys have uh, this new facility uh, that you guys have uh, have opened up what is that facility actually doing because one of the things that i like is the fact that uh, you gave us quite a comprehensive step-by-step explanation of what you guys are actually doing and uh, I guess the nature of the value chain that you guys are, are, are involved in. So the facility, 25 million rand down, what is that doing? What's the piece in that uh, ecosystem uh, that you guys, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, so the facility allows us to, and, and it's based in Cape Town, and it's the only facility in Cape Town. Um, it allows us to compete uh, effectively with um, Effectively, the kind of European multinationals that have been dominating in the space with the banks, um, you know, over the last couple of years. And when we started talking to the banks around debit and retailization of debit, et cetera, they they kind of said to us pre-COVID, they said, but guys, you know, you are, you know, 100% South African owned, level two um, empowered, uh, majority black woman owned. Um, we really want to place business with you, but it's very difficult to do so um, unless you have an onshore facility where we can send our data securely to and personalize those cards. And personalization in the card space, just so that you understand, doesn't necessarily mean a name. It also could just be the the the, the 16 digit number and the CBB, et cetera, and the and the chip encoding and the max wrap encoding. Um but they really started saying to us, you know, we're not that comfortable sending um, data offshore. The security and risk guys gets involved. And they said, would you not consider opening a facility and, and we will support you? And and then obviously COVID hit us and we were kind of looking for a space. And then we 
paused for a second because we didn't, really didn't know what the world was going to look like. Um, and we paused it for about six or eight months. Um, and then uh, we found the perfect facility in Cape Town. I went to the board, put the business plan forward, spoke to the banks, um, and they were very supportive. And we decided to pull the trigger and build this place out. As you correctly said, cost us around 25 million rand. And that was mostly funded by uh, the management team, actually, um, through, our, through our capital raise process. And really, this facility allows us to get a card, and that card is not manufactured here. It's manufactured offshore uh, because you really can't get into manufacturing at, at, at low scale. So we manufacture the card offshore. We ship it securely to South Africa. It goes into our vault that holds roughly 20 million cards and um, in, into a high security area, and it's extremely secure and audited by Visa and MasterCard and, and, and PCI CP standards. Um, we would then receive a file from the bank and they would say, please, can you send me, let's say, here's a file for 100,000 cards. And we would then go and produce those cards on the floor, um, fulfill them, put them into packaging or into an envelope or whatever. And then um, we have the luxury of actually having a, a highly secure courier also on the on the on the premises um, partner business um, that we partnered with. And we literally hand that through a, a high secure process to the courier and the courier can then either distribute it to a branch or to a, a retail location or to a person face to face, do the figure and retail and whatever is, is, is required by the bank, hand it over securely. And that just feeds back into our, our core management systems. And we basically just say to the banks, God, God delivered. Uh, but, uh, you know, listening to everything that you're saying, one of the things I want to want to do is to just take a step back because um, you've done, like I said earlier on, you did a really good job of explaining to us how uh, the system works. But before that, it's the 15 years that you guys have been in business because um, when I take a step back, uh, that decade and a half ago. I'm interested to know what people were doing at that time, right? Because I think loyalty cards were already in in uh, in a couple of the retailers, and obviously banks had been issuing cards for you know a, a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, um, on the retail side, um, um, the, the the growth in loyalty and gift card issuance um, just absolutely went through the roof. Um, and, and you would have seen large retailers like ShopRite and Checkers finally entering um, the, the, the loyalty and reward space um, about three years ago. Um, and they were the last large retailer to enter that space. Um, and we were, we were riding that wave of growth in, in card issuance in the retail space from the get-go. In fact, we've been profitable as a business since day one that we've operated. So it, it takes a bit of doing, but uh, we were obviously... We were obviously uh, quite lucky to be in that zone where we could do mass issuance for the retailers. Um, as far as the banks are concerned, we only got into that maybe five years into the journey, so probably a 10-year journey now in total. Um, and the banks at that time, and, and still today, um, um, had cards manufactured in South Africa and then had the cards personalized also in South Africa. But subsequently, all the manufacturing plants in South Africa have actually been been shut down. So there's no more cards being manufactured in South Africa. Only the personalization centers remain behind. Um, and that's predominantly been um, uh, two large French multinationals um, that, that dominated that space. And, and that kind of just became the, 
you, you, you had a choice of two guys that you could go to as a bank to go and procure hundreds of millions of rands. In fact, yeah, hundreds of millions of rands worth of, of cars. These things are not cheap. Um, and then I think we perfected the art of good service. And, and you know, we, we, we cut our teeth in the retail space, which is, you know, that, that's cutthroat. Um, service, price, uh, delivery, and, and mass issuance. And, and that's when we say, well, how do we, how do we get that level of service and competence to the banks? That's when we started our journey around retailizing debit cards. And then, as I said, you know, uh, call it three years ago, the banks were saying, guys, we really need some options here. We are extremely frustrated. Um, we don't have any options to, to, um, really acquire, um, outside of two vendors. And, um, the one thing that really came up in that conversation has been around disaster recovery and and business continuity. Um, the operations, as, as, as we know them, are, are in, in very close proximity of each other in, in Johannesburg. Um, if there is some form of event, as we have seen with the July riots, can happen. There's some form of events. There's major risk on the banks um, from a geographical perspective. Um, and that's why we decided to open the facility in, in Cape Town. Um, and that allows us to split the work between North and South at Tora Bank as an example. So our competitor might do Johannesburg, Victoria, Limpopo, Northwest. We would do Durban, Eastern Cape, um, Southern Cape, you know, Western Cape into the Northern Cape. So they can split their volumes that way. But what it also does is it automatically gives them business continuity um, uh, um, or, or um, disaster recovery and business continuity solutions because both of us, uh, our competitor and ourselves would have this exactly the same cards in our vault. And if something had to happen, they can seamlessly switch between ourselves and them. So if something had to happen to us, they can switch back to the to the to the incumbent vendor and, and, and vice versa. And that level of business continuity has never existed in South Africa. And we now provide that by default to our to our to our banking clients. I know for a fact that a number of the large banks on an annual basis, when they do their risk review, it's like always the red flag, right? What do we do if this thing goes down in Joburg and w- w- where do we go? And generally, I think the answer would have normally been, oh, no, no, but we can, you know, we can do the cards in one of our operations in China or in, in Europe. The reality is the cards aren't there. They still need to get back there. And then they need to be personalized over there and then be sent back. So, you know, that can take weeks. Um, whereas us, with us, you know, if we have a link with the bank and we've we've got we've done the technical work and the cryptography and everything else that goes in the process and crypto key exchanges and secured exchange keys for the banks and with the associations, they can literally send us a file and we can produce the card and have it within a, within a day or two. So now that we've sort of gotten an understanding of uh, the past and how people how how things were happening back then, we've got the sense of the history, the present, what you guys are doing at the moment. Keen to get your thoughts around um, what digital what digital banking and digital financial services has done or is doing to your business. I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier on when you said that you guys are already playing in the virtual. Um, in the virtual card space, because I can imagine that, you know, with the rise of all of these different payments options that people have, especially just being able to tap your phone, for example, that likely reduces the need for, for carrying around plastic. That's a, that's the common conception. And, and, and um, absolutely, I mean, I make use of 
various payment methods um, aside from cash. I've, I've managed to be kind of, what's it now, six months completely cashless. So I set myself the challenge, right? So I use I use Apple Pay, um, you know, all the time. And I've got my cards um, um, in, in the wallet. I think the misconception is that that's going to completely replace the, the plastic card as we know it. The reality is, is that you need both, right? So um, generally what the banks would do is say, when you open an account with us, here's your card, okay? That's step number one. And then provision that card into a wallet. And there's a, a highly secure technical process to do that. When they send us a file to produce that card for you, we can redirect that file to actually um, personalize that card and over the air deliver it into a mobile banking app as an example. Um, and that's called mobile provisioning. So we are, whether we're producing a piece of plastic or whether we're producing a virtual card, the process is, is essentially the same, except the outcome is one is something physical, the other one is virtual. But from a crypto perspective and a security perspective, it follows exactly the same process. So, and generally also, you know, um, if you're a new bank, you might start off with virtual card, but every, in our experience, in the three or four projects that we've been involved in, where the guys led with a with a mobile or virtual card only, have come back full circle and said, our customers are asking for cards. So I think you know, our view on this is, you know, Aside from in South Africa, you know, aside from checks, right? I don't know. These, I don't know. Somewhere there must be still a checkbook around, but I haven't seen one in many, many years. But the world of payments supports multiple payment types, and whether it's a wearable, a card, or a, a wristband, the the security protocols have to remain in place and the same. And um, we will always have cash. We will always have cards, and we will always have virtual cards. We will eventually pay by face, as an example, pay by biometrics, etc. But the underlying provisioning of those secure credentials has to be in the control of a high secure environment like ours. I, I really like that, especially uh, the pay by face. Yeah, that can you, yeah, that will, you know, likely be one of those things that does end up being um, over time. And also just seeing the evolution, because as much as uh, fintech has grown, uh, not only in South Africa, but especially on the African continent, um, cash is still king, right? So there's still yeah, yeah, cash is. I mean, we 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 in a war on cash. You know, we, we, when I speak to we're in, when I speak to Visa and Mastercard, you know, from a fintech perspective, you know, I, I I often say to them, you guys don't actually compete with each other, even though they do. But obviously, that you're actually competing against cash. We are in a war on cash. We need to convert Africa into digital payments. And that's that's our journey. That's what we're doing. We want to make a very, very real impact in the day-to-day -day lives of millions of consumers and merchants. And that maybe also leads into, um, I mentioned early on in the interview, you know, the two sides in the Keller group. Now, the, on the other side, we've got a B2B2C business where um, we are extremely active in the emerging markets and especially emerging retailers and non-mainstream non retailers. Um, and where we provide data analytics and connecting, you know, consumers, banks, uh, brands and merchants in that, in that supply chain together. Um, we're releasing a press release, I think, um, tomorrow or the day thereafter that explains it in a bit more detail. But in short, really, we have direct line to the customer in that regard. So we can not only give him a payment instrument from my side of the business, but we can also 
build products and solutions into those embedded financial services um, solutions that spans across you know mobile uh, mobile connectivity um, insure tech platforms uh, which we own we own an insure tech platform but you know embedded insurance inside products i often use the example you know imagine imagine uh, in, in the emerging markets a world where you know if you if you buy 10 tubes of colgate um, those 10 tubes each represents a little piece of a premium and if you put those 10 together it, it forms insurance policy and you can go to the dentist once a year for free as an example and that would generally be sponsored by the brand right so they want persistence with their customers and then that's maybe a bit of an out there you know example but embedded insurance inside transactions is something that i'm very passionate about and that's really the future of connecting you know consumers and brands and banks or neo banks or stores of value whether it's a wallet or a, or a real bank account and then obviously these mass merchants. So there's, there are roughly 700,000 merchants that's completely underserved and cannot accept digital payments. In South Africa, we have a world where, you know, 95% of our population is carded, as you call it. The rest of Africa is very different. But in South Africa, if you add SESA into the mix, really 95% of people have some form of, of banking card. The problem is, on the merchant side, they don't accept them because it's too expensive for them to accept payments. The banks can't really service those small merchants effectively. And it's 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 not because they don't want to, and I'm not having a go at the banks, obviously, um, who's our clients. It's just very diff difficult to reach that market with a price point that makes sense for that merchant. And we are changing that. Um, and, and we have a, a, a business that's absolutely focused on, on financial inclusion on the merchant side. In order for that customer to go to the store or to the tavern or, or or in his local community, take out his bank card and pay and earn his e-bucks or earn his loyalty points from his bank, just like you and I do in the in the more in the more um, you know kind of developed side of the of the economy. And that's really the problem that we're trying to solve. And layering very deep data and real-time basket analysis and line item level data into that payment transaction is extremely powerful. So um, that's really where the Keller Group is going to be, I believe, certainly a, a powerhouse in Africa. We already do business across Africa and into the Middle East. You know, I've just returned from Dubai. Um, and um, I spent time with MasterCard and, and, and with our chairman that's actually based in Dubai. Um, and they've got the same problem. You would think the glitz and glamour in Dubai, you know, everybody's driving around in their Bentleys and, and Range Rovers. That's only a segment of the population. They've got 4 million people living in Dubai that's expats, that comes from Bangladesh and Pakistan, etc. And they're completely unbanked. They are less banked than our population. And and these pockets in these emerging markets all exist. And, and that's what Akela is really looking at. It's not just about Africa, but Middle Eastern Africa. We see the same problems in kind of Indochina, Southeast Asia, You've got extremely large populations that are still financially excluded, either with the payment instrument on the one side, the consumer, or on the merchant side. But now if you start understanding the merchant data and you start understanding consumer data and you see that the merchant is operating effectively, it opens up a world of, for example, lending to that merchant. You can now say to him, well, we can see that you're processing a whole lot of transactions. Clearly, you've got a, um, a you know turnover running through your store. Here is a a friendly repayable loan, not a shop, you know, loan shop type of loan, just something to help you grow your business. So you can go, the next time you go, you don't take money out the till, 
and go and buy 10 bottles of Coke and then have to rush back to your store to, to, you know, to keep your turnover. Here is, a, here is a loan that you, allows you to, build, to buy 30 bottles of Coke and not having to leave the store all the time to go and just churn your 10, 10, 11, 12, you know. So, you know, insurance and lending, um, you can think about, you know, global remittances as an example. We're doing some projects in the global remittance space as well. We, these guys need to send money home, um, and 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 you know global remittances is a, is a is a massive market, uh, you know, and especially in Africa. So by embedding these financial services solutions into into our you know into our stack um, and partnering with the right people, I, I believe that we are as a group we are onto something really special about addressing you know financial inclusion and making a real impact. And we, you know, as a business, we're also not just in it for profit, right? We, we, we do business for good. I mean, it's, it's, we, we recently did a credo as, as, a, as an entire company. And one of the things that I said is, you know, we're not just in business to make money. We're also in business to do good in the markets that we operate. And that's extremely important for us. From a job creation perspective, you know, that is something that's very close to my heart as well. You know, with this facility, we'll probably be employing an, an additional 50 people over time. And, um, We've already started employing, um, um, you know, in, in, in lieu of the volumes that, that the banks will be sending us. So it's it's about job creation and also, you know, it's about Africa because, um, as I said, we're, a, you know, we're an African business first and foremost, and we can service any issue anywhere in the world. In fact, we've, we've, we've serviced, uh, we've actually serviced uh, one of the large um, payment associations for an offshore project out of Africa. And it's a world-class site. So, um, so aside from our, let's call it business-to-business business kind of payments technology, card payment instruments, et cetera, and the like, uh, we also have this, this view into the consumer base and really about you know, driving a financial inclusion agenda. All right. So that's it. It's been, you know, quite a great discussion uh, talking about cards. Uh, I didn't think I would ever sit down and have this much of a conversation about cards. But, you know, when you listen to someone like David just talking about how the proliferation of cards in the retail space and banking space um, and the type of usage that we're talking about, uh, I think he mentioned, you know, 30, you know, a conservative number of, let's say, 30 million cards being consumed in the country every single year just showing just how big uh, things are and it's only when you have such a conversation you start thinking about the number of gift cards that are out there loyalty cards that are out there uh, the number of cards that a person probably is carrying you know alone in their own pockets that you really do see it so it's really been great and then the other thing, you know, that's, uh, you know, just trying to understand how things were back in the day. He gave us quite a good you know, understanding of how things used to happen back in the day and type of advantages uh, that are there by doing things in country um, as opposed to having things uh, shipped out and then shipped back in. And especially against the against the backdrop of uh, Poppy and, uh, you know, the rise and, you know, privacy and all of this uh, data sovereignty, one can understand. Understand um, the view that some of the banks were taking, you know, by saying that, you know, we want to be able to keep the data in country uh, and understand things from that point of view. Really keen to understand and see how things progress over time. It will be good to have uh, that uh, conversation about uh, the other side of the business with David on another day, uh, especially just around some of the issues that they are tackling when it comes to financial technology in emerging markets. 
So that's been it. We were talking uh, to David DeCronin, who is uh, the CEO of uh, Crossgate. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time and listening to my to my story. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.